For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. of Over the Line, and wow, did I have some problems leading up to this show. Sure did. We were, we meant to start this show like two hours ago, and we're just now going live. Literally. 12.30 is when we planned on starting. But as you know, if you're watching live, you see we've got a brand new studio. we got a lot more room. We've got to figure out the sound quality in here because I don't think that it's exactly where we want it to be. We need a little more soundproofing, so we're going to have to do some more work. Um, But y'all can just ignore the echo, right? I think if I adjust my mic, hold on. Does this sound better? No, it sounds exact same. No difference. Uh, But yeah, here we are. Glad to be here. Glad to be back with you guys after like a week and a half hiatus. We should be able to get back on track. The big debate before starting this was where we want to put the camera for those of you watching. And we, I wanted it to be different in the sense of not just right up on me where you could only see the flag in the background. But once we backed it up, we're like, okay, well, the flag doesn't look right. You know, it, we want the whole background to be the flag, and we just couldn't figure it out. So we'll probably make some changes. We've got a couple different options now that we're in this studio, but exciting nonetheless, and uh, it'll improve as we go. I promise, promise we'll make it better. So uh, off the top, y'all know the drill. Social media, parlor, uh, Twitter, at Andrew McLean, who, over the line on Facebook, on YouTube. Make sure you, uh, what they say on YouTube, smash the subscribe button. Don't just click it. You smash it. That's what you're supposed to do, apparently. 
So that's 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 what I hear from the YouTubers. I'm trying to I'm trying to get where I'm I'm cool in the in the YouTube world. Man, I, I was watching. Here's what I was going to talk about today with the, the the male stuff, which is an absolutely absurd argument, as well as some of the uh, the DNC stuff of the past two nights. I started Monday night. Today's Wednesday, the nineteenth. So tonight's the third night, and the speakers for tonight actually uh, I took a picture of the lineup before. Let's see who we got. We've got who is that? Uh, we got Giffords, we've got uh, Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton, Pelosi, Obama, and Kamala Harris all speaking tonight. What an all-star lineup that is. It'll be riveting, I'm sure. It, it's funny, if you've been watching it, you notice they're not really, there's not a whole lot of talk about how great of a person Joe Biden is. It's all about how bad Trump is, which is really what the Democrats have been doing for three and a half years, four years now is not talking about what they do that's right it's what he does that's that's wrong even if it's not true that's that's all they got so they got going for him but before i get into some of that stuff i just saw this i was watching before we we started broadcasting here and and i didn't realize but mike lindell the my pillow guy was on cnn last night anderson cooper brought him on now mike lindell is very pro hydroxychloroquine and he's been put on the board for uh i see i don't know i don't know a lot about what mike lindell's doing now but he's been put on some sort of board and i'll find out as we go again i've done no research on this i just saw the clip but he's on there with anderson cooper and anderson cooper's obviously got a lot of problems with mike lindell one the it, really the main reason is that he supports the president that's why he hates him. Um, but the second one is Mike Lindell is promoting hydroxychloroquine, which is a cure for coronavirus, and Anderson Cooper does not want a cure because him and his people have an election to win. But it was a very interesting exchange. I want to play some of it for you. And uh, <laughs> I'm shocked that I missed it. See, I don't even know when this when this happened. Let me look. Um... It says it was yesterday, so maybe maybe it came on TV after the the Democrat National Convention or something. But here's here's a clip of it. I couldn't find the whole thing, but I'm going to give you at least part of it. I guess I should have tested that out. See, this is part of our problem is all of our settings are wrong now that we've moved everything from one studio to the other. And I can't get volume on anything. Okay, so here's what here's what we'll have to do. I'll have to uh, just give you a synopsis of what happened until we can figure out our audio issue. It's always something. Um, so Mike Lindell comes on there. He's promoting hydroxychloroquine. Anderson Cooper's hammering him for uh, promoting it, claiming he's a snake oil salesman and all this stuff. And he starts bringing up all this stuff about how he was sued in a few states over... Uh, his advertising saying my pillow reduces snoring and migraines and all this stuff and how he's got uh, an F with the Better Business Bureau and he had to remind Anderson Cooper that all of that happened after he publicly came out in support of the president because we all know that once you do that 
once you come out, if, if, if you are running a, a very popular brand or business or anything, once you come out and show support for the president, the mob will then come after you and try to ruin your life. And in this case, in Mike Lindell's case, try to ruin my pillow. So that's what they did. They went to the Better Business Bureau, started putting all these reviews about how horrible my pillow was. Lawyers who are not, let's be honest, not trustworthy people started going after uh, uh, the the advertising of my pillow and it's just what they do it's it's not even a, a my pillow thing they it, it's like ambulance chasers they they're just looking for somebody to sue about something so they can make some money but here's Anderson Cooper in this interview acting like lawyers are a studious is in a studious profession and and that it's obvious evidence that Michael Lindell did something wrong, because otherwise a lawyer would never go after him in order to, to, to sue him or anything like that. But anyway, I, I suggest you go watch that. I'll try to go and post it on uh, my Twitter feed if you didn't see it, but it's interesting, and maybe I can even play it for you later uh, in a later episode once I get all this crap figured out now that... Uh, I, and I don't know why it does that. It's, it's there's something about, and yes, Big Dave, I see you. I need, I, I need you to come over to help me out. There's something about every time if we unplug everything, all the equipment, the microphones, the board, the computer, something goes wrong. And there was about twenty different problems when we set all this back up, but I fixed probably seventeen of those twenty problems. And then the rest, I was like, oh, I can make it without. And then that that problem right there, that was 21st problem. That's why I couldn't play that audio. Um, <laughs> but it, listen, it's good. It's worth it. It's worth it in the long run. We got a lot more room in here. We're going to be able to have guests and all that kind of stuff. And so we'll we'll get it set up while we like it. And by the way, shout out to Trish, who did a fantastic job. Every time I look around, if I can move that camera, I'm not close enough to do it. But for those of you on YouTube... If I could pan this room and show you the job that she did in here, uh, it's it's pretty pretty amazing. It, it looks looks really good, really good. Okay, so since uh, since I told you about that interview, let's go back to the DNC convention. Last night you heard Dr. Jill Biden, which by the way, Democrats get confused. They think she's a medical doctor and she's actually just got a uh, she's just like a teacher or whatever. The she spoke and spoke about fixing America, comparing it to a broken family or some, 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 uh, or really just uh, describing what giving, giving a painting, a picture, if you will, of what her family has been through over the years and trying to really humanize, humanize Joe Biden and humanize the campaign because right now it's completely disconnected from that. Nope, nobody, nobody looks at the Joe Biden campaign with anything other than empathy and sadness. That there's there there are a group of people that are willing to commit elder abuse for the sake of power, because that's what the Joe Biden campaign represents. Her job was to come out there and humanize Joe Biden. Make him seem like a loving, compassionate person, which is what they're going to run on. That's that's their deal. Trump's bad. He has no empathy. Joe Biden's good. He likes hugs. He sniffs your hair. He's warm and cuddly. 
Uh, he he uh, he lets you rub his blonde hair on his leg in the summer when you're in the pool. You know, just real cuddly and cozy stuff. Um, that was the theme last night. They also did the the nominating process as uh, they went from delegate to delegate who cast their votes. Bernie would get a few here and there, and then Joe Biden would get a majority of them, and so Joe Biden ended up being the official nominee. I think tonight they cast the delegates for Kamala Harris, who will then officially be the running mate of Joe Biden. One thing I found interesting, though, is AOC got about 60 seconds worth of a speech during last night's convention, uh, and... She didn't even mention Joe Biden's name, I don't think. And I'm just, when I was listening to it, I was kind of halfway listening to it. I don't even think I heard her mention Joe Biden's name. She talked about Bernie the whole time and endorsed Bernie and not Joe Biden. But then I saw on Twitter earlier, she retweeted an NBC report that said exactly what I just told you. And said that, you know, it was um, misinformation and blah, blah, blah. And what are they going to do about correcting the misinformation they put out there? And I'm like, hey, you know, there's something you and I can agree on. NBC putting out false information. (laughs) AOC and I are on the same page. Um, But that was really, that was really the only takeaways from last night. It's just been a weird, weird convention. For obvious reasons. Oh, I think Mayor Woodfin, Randall Woodfin, from uh, mayor from the city of Birmingham, was on there last night too. I didn't. Even, I, I have no interest in watching him, so I didn't even. I didn't even pay attention when he was up there. So I don't know what he said. Um. But then Monday night. Oh, I take that back. Last night you had Slick Willie, Big Willie, Bill Clinton, who was on there. Uh, the the headline on Drudge Report right now says. 2020 spectacle, impeached president slams impeached president. (laughs) Now, uh, the interesting thing is all of this stuff is pre-recorded where these politicians are speaking, which makes it that much less enthusiastic, right? I I realize they're not in front of a crowd and they're, they're not speaking directly to people, so they may view it as what's the reason in doing it live. There's a lot of power in doing it live. For the people watching at home. People that watch at home, they want to see... It's like trying to watch... It's like recording a football game. I don't know if some of y'all do this. Recording a football game and then going back and watching it. You know, nobody wants to do that. You want to see it live. You want to see it when it happens. You feel like you're watching something important when it's live. Uh, They didn't do that. And it was probably a good idea for Slick Willie because earlier in the day yesterday, photos came out of of one of the main Epstein accusers massaging Bill Clinton's shoulders in what looked like, uh, you know, a small a, a terminal, airport terminal or something, probably on their way to Epstein Island, had to make a pit stop, get some gas, whatever. Uh, Bill Clinton goes and sits in the waiting room. Epstein sends his, his uh, young girl in there and uh, massages his shoulders and... <laughs> The, I really wish his speech was live because we would have been able to see that uncomfortable look he's had on his face all day since those photos were released. Something interesting about that, and this is why Trish and I are so close to doing our podcast. I really hope we can pull it off this week. But there has been a slow leak when it comes to the Epstein stuff, the 
child trafficking stuff. We're seeing more and more, and I, I don't mean just people online talking about it. We know that's that's the case. We're seeing the Save the Children hashtag all over the place. More and more people are paying attention to it. But we're seeing actual evidence, just a little bit here, a little bit there, slowly come out. And so it's gotten me wondering, when is the grand finale happening? Because this is all leading up to something. And I don't want to get too far into this because I'm going to save this for our podcast. But there's this is leading up to something that is going to be big. And it's going to be something that I think a lot of us have waited for for a long time so keep an eye out for that podcast we're going to be doing that soon night one of the democrat convention i'm going backwards here monday night i don't remember who spoke other than michelle obama oh i think you had i think you (laughs) this is this is the absurdity of the 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 pre-recorded speeches you had john Kasich who was out in the middle of a field at what seemed to be a crossroads giving his speech about how we're at a crossroads in America where we have to decide if we want to go down this authoritarian trail or get back to decency in the White House with Joe Biden. The Democrats have done whatever they could to get never-Trumper Republicans on the stage for the DNC because it's it's been a snooze fest. It's it's been really bad. Democrats are not they're they're not very smart or they're, they're not very creative when it comes to taking a a, a political situation and, and making it exciting for voters. They're just not. It, it's it's like your grandma planning your 18th birthday party. It's it's normally not going to work out. Right? It's not going to be what you envision. That's the Democrats. Now, Republicans have notoriously been the same way until Trump came along and this well-oiled machine of a campaign knows how to hype up crowds, hype up voter bases. And I am very excited to see what happens with the Republican National Convention next week because they will absolutely be creative with it. With the hand they've been dealt with this fake coronavirus pandemic response, this hoax, they'll get creative with it and they'll make it worth everybody's time. They're going to be one of the one of the uh, speakers. It's going to be the couple from St. Louis that brandished the guns uh, when the protesters bust down their fence in their neighborhood. Another one is going to be the highest paid member of uh, the highest paid person on CNN's payroll, and that's uh, Nicholas Sandman, who was the the kid in the MAGA hat when the Indian came up and started beating the drum in his face. He's going to be speaking at the RNC. So it's going to be a lot of pandering to the base, there's no doubt, but I, I fully expect it to be very, very interesting. And then you know when the president speaks to officially accept the nomination, that will be second-to-none content that you do not want to miss. Now, that's where we're at on the conventions. Um, over to the um, 
over to the the mail-in voting issue. The, not not even the mail-in voting, but the the post office controversy. And I personally have people in my life that are up in arms over what they feel is a giant conspiracy to dismantle and terrorize the post office. People, you know, and much like most people that think that there's funny business going on at the post office, these are people that have never spoken really good or bad about the post office their entire lives. Now, if we look at the overview of what the public opinion has been of the post office over the past, say, 20 years, everybody has said they suck, right? Not that we don't like our our local mail carrier or the lady that works the desk at the local post office branch. I'm just talking about the mail system as a whole. As they lose mail, as they don't get it on time, everybody's been complaining about USPS for the past 20 years. And within a matter of minutes, just two short weeks ago, the post office was the backbone of our democracy. That quick. And that we must save the post office at all costs, otherwise civilization will come crumbling down. Now, first off, this is all based off a theory that we are going to be conducting universal mail-in voting. That will not happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be a thing. The other theory that, that, that is helping people prop up this, this notion that the, the, the Trump administration is diddling with the post office and that we've, we've got to defend them is that there's going to be a higher volume of absentee ballots. Which, if you ask me, I think there will be an uptick, but I don't think it's going to be as drastic as people think. One, because I don't think people really understand how absentee ballots work in the first place. And two, it's hard to get half the country, half the registered voters to get out and vote in person. You really think they're going to go through the whole absentee process, which is probably ten times harder. It's not hard, but it's ten times harder than driving to a polling place, walking in, picking up a pen, marking on a piece of paper, and putting it in a machine. So good luck with getting tons and tons of people to do absentee ballots, but that's that's for another day. There is the conspiracy that the Trump administration has uh, demanded the Postmaster General start removing uh, mail collectors, the big blue mailboxes, from communities all over the country to have mail sorting machines ripped out of USPS distribution centers and to slow the post office and their attempts to get ballots to people or or uh, keep up with the mail during this election season. Now, that's not really going to be an issue, and that's why you've seen the conversation for Democrats go from the mail-in ballots to... Um, people's uh, 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 whatever uh, their their uh, veterans medicine coming through the mail or any of the, any of this stuff it, it's there it's constantly moving the goalpost on why they're so adamant about talking about the post office and they're adamant about it they've called a special session for Saturday which they never do to have a hearing on this very issue now 
They can't get you a coronavirus relief bill. They can't figure out a way to get you a stimulus check or extend your unemployment. But by golly, we're going to have a hearing on this post office scandal. So, what it comes down to is it's easy for the public who like to look at a headline or two or three headlines in a row and draw a conclusion about a particular situation, in this case, post office, mailboxes being removed or sorting machines uh, being taken offline or whatever, instead of actually looking into it and saying something is simple, and this would this would require critical thinking for you to go this route when you see something like that. To say, is this normal behavior that they're moving these, taking these mailboxes down or taking these sorting machines offline? Or is this the first time this has happened? Because if this is just now happening for the first time in history, that certainly would be a cause for alarm. So common sense, you would say, well, is that is this normal or is this brand new behavior? For those that asked that question, they found out that it is, in fact, normal for them to do that. As a company that constantly relies on the government to bail them out with subsidies and constantly lose money to, money to the tune of billions of dollars, okay, don't let anybody tell you the post office is self-sustaining and doesn't lose money. Billions of dollars they've lost. They have to make cost-cutting moves, just like any company. So if they've got a mailbox, that, and, and by the way, this is where it started. I think the picture was based out of Oregon. It was a flatbed truck and had like six of the big blue mail collectors on it, right? And the caption said, the Trump administration is literally removing mailboxes from communities. We have to stop this. No contacts, no where do they come from, where do they go, and no nothing. Just a picture. Not any contacts. The context comes in whatever caption the tweet says. That's all the context you need. When you lose money like that, you have to make cost-cutting, you have to take cost-cutting measures. Some of that... For the USPS means taking some of these big blue mail collectors that are barely being used by any given community and moving them somewhere where they can be more useful or just taking them out of circulation altogether. Because what happens is you've got a, a, a mail carrier that has to go through and pick up that mail and if, if it's a waste of time for them to go do that, they're going to move it. If nobody's using it, They'll move it somewhere else or they'll take it out and, and put it in storage or whatever. Same thing for these mail sorting machines. I have never, I, I, and y'all know me, I've followed politics for a long time. I have never seen a political party or even one, one politician live their political career for a span of, of any time, but in this case, four years, thrive on conspiracy theories while calling the other party conspiracy theorists because that's exactly what's going on if you are a, a a trump loving republican you are no better in their eyes than somebody like alex jones or any other you know super 
conspiracy theorists, you're, you're no better. Yet they've lived on conspiracy theories since the day one of the Trump era. That's, they've lived on it. Trump Russia, Trump Ukraine, the, the, um, uh, uh, the, 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 the mail issue here. It, it's one thing after another after another. If it's not Trump directly, it's somebody within his administration. Ronnie Jackson, the former White House doctor, as soon as he gives Trump a bill of health, a clean bill of health, guess what? He's a drunk woman abuser. <laughs> you know? And Mike Lindell, perfect examples. We were talking about him. Mike Lindell was beloved by everybody. Everybody thought my pillow was the next best thing since sliced bread. And guess what? He supports Trump. He all of a sudden has lawsuits coming his way and has an F under the Better Business Bureau. It's... It's math. It's, it's simple math. It's common sense. But these guys, they live on this stuff because it's all they've got. They've got no policy proposals that'll be widely accepted by the American people. They've got nothing. They've got one job and one job only. Make the other guy look worse than we are so we can get power and have the ability to make Supreme Court picks. That's all it comes down to. The left believes in defunding the police, no matter how bad they try to spin it. They believe in eliminating capitalism. They believe in all these extreme, extreme ideas. Abortion on demand, post-birth abortion. They believe them all. Just some of them live in districts where they can't openly admit it. They really live in a country where they can't openly admit it and be accepted by the general public. So they have to get power to fill the Supreme Court to then get rulings to go in their favor to implement those radical ideas. They're never going to get them past middle America, your average American that goes, goes and votes. They're not going to do it. They're going to have to force it down your throat through the courts. And that is why... Power is so important to them. I made a comment on social media that the Democrat Party, and I was—I put this as I was watching it Monday night. The Democrat Party is on its deathbed. It's on life support. It is literally on its deathbed. And people's like, no, don't say that, Andrew. Half the country believes that that uh, those guys—they they believe in everything. Trust me. Now, and this is not any sort of plea for you to relax and don't go, don't worry about voting if you're busy or what. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that there are still good people in this country, and there's a lot of them. Y'all know the polls are bogus. So that can be completely thrown out the window. But there are a lot of good people that are staying quiet right now, watching all this chaos go on and thinking in their head while watching it, there's no way I can vote for that. Even though Joe Biden or Kamala Harris says they don't, they don't agree with that, that's still their people. How do we know that they're not going to change their mind once they get into office? There's no way we can let that happen in this country. Do you know that 70% 
There was a poll done. I don't know if this was Rasmussen or whoever. There was a poll conducted among just Republicans. And they asked, they polled each one of these people and asked them if they were comfortable sharing that they supported Donald Trump in public or with friends or family that had the the opposing view or even just answering polls. 70% of these Republicans polled said they are not comfortable letting it be publicly known that they support Donald Trump. 70%. You wonder where the term silent majority comes from? 70% of these people are afraid to say they vote for Donald Trump. The only way they can express their support for Donald Trump, they feel, is going to be on November 3rd when they go to the ballot box and in their private little cubbyhole there, get to mark Donald J. Trump's name. One more time. 70%. Think about that. Think about if 70% of people that are being polled are not willing to tell the pollsters they're voting for Trump. What does that do to Joe Biden's 10-point, 11-point lead that he's had since this, since we found out this was going to be the matchup, Trump and Biden? What does that do to that 10-point lead? It's going to be a landslide. I'm telling y'all. This is going to be, hopefully, this is my wish. My wish is much larger, much larger than, a, than another four years of Donald John Trump. This will hopefully be the final nail in the coffin of a sick and demented Democrat party that is long overdue to die. This Democrat party deserves to die. It's on its deathbed, and when it dies, a new party can rise back up. A party, maybe, with some common sense. A party that realizes... That if they go back down that same road, pandering to those far-left extremists within their party, that it will only result in their death as a political party. I mean, look at this. Most of the people that support Donald Trump now, that either weren't politically active or weren't Republicans would have probably voted for any any given Democrat 30, 40 years ago. Donald Trump is, is a common-sense Democrat from three decades ago. He's not some crazy right-wing nut. He's just a common-sense guy. So it's not this mass number of people leaving the Democrat Party. It's the Democrat Party leaving a majority of America. That's it for this episode of Over the Line, August 19th, 2020. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow. Share this show with all your friends and family. And until then, see you, Cole.